0: This is Free Talk Live, the Monday edition. As we kick off hour number one, you can always take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet eight toll-free lines. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number, 800-259-9231. Use it and abuse it. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site completely free, so enjoy those. freetalklive.com. We're starting things off here with a story that... I didn't have Saturday night just because I hadn't checked far enough ahead in my emails. A few people emailed me about this one, and I can see why. It's absolutely outrageous. If you were looking for more evidence of the, of the fact that the government thinks of you as a slave, that the government thinks of you as their little bitch, then uh, I have it here from the Associated Press. Washington. Perhaps come. an asset. The government considers you an asset. No. No, no, no. Slave. Uh, Companies that help businesses track and search their emails and other electronic data are experiencing a surge of interest in the wake of federal rule changes that clarify requirements to produce such evidence in lawsuits. Roger Mattis, chief executive of Concord-based Inboxer Incorporated, said Friday his company is getting at least five times as many inquiries as it did six months ago for software that can accelerate the search and retrieval of electronic information. Quote, companies used to be focused on how they store information. Now they're focusing on how to retrieve it. Why? Why this surge of new interest has just... A new article been published on the internet that's just encouraging people to go out and buy some new software for their business? What do you think could possibly be behind this? Really great advertising? No. 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 The new rules, which took effect Friday, require U.S. companies to keep better track of their employees' emails, instant messages... And other electronic documents in the events that the uh, in the event that companies are sued, legal experts say. And this is apparently uh, I, as what I saw before. Yes, the Supreme Court has ruled this. According to the court, they are part of amendments to federal rules governing civil, civil lit- litigation and were approved by the Supreme Court's administrative arm in April after a five-year-long review. Now, you know, it's
1: ridiculous to me that companies. Companies. I don't know if this is, uh, you know, does it exempt companies of a certain size? Because I'm a company. I mean, I do business, right? I, I wonder Am I if i responsible it's, for keeping all this crap in case. Well, I wonder if it's the only possibility that I get a, an employee at some point and uh, he wants he or she wants to sue. I'm I'm sort of thinking
0: maybe it's only for corporations, but it doesn't specify. At least it hasn't specified that so far.
1: They may just be saying companies in this it, news article, you know, but.
0: I was in, I've been incorporated in
1: previous companies. Am I still required? I, the thing is is this is just – it's ridiculous. I don't care if it's the biggest of companies. The fact that they have to keep emails and uh, you know, electronic communications from months and years ago so that somebody can sue them, so that somebody can have it as evidence, that's just wrong.
0: According to the Supreme Court, companies and other parties involved in federal litigation must now produce electronically stored information as part of discovery, the process by which both sides share evidence before a trial. Federal and state courts have increasingly been requiring the production of such evidence in individual cases, and the new rules clarify that the data will be required in federal, under federal lawsuits. Under the new rules, an information technology company who, rut- who routinely copies over a backup computer tape could be committing virtual shredding. Once a lawsuit has been filed, said a partner at the law firm, companies still could routinely purge their archives if the data aren't relevant to cases companies have pending or expect to face those specific sectors such as financial well, services i don 't know
1: about that now. what do you mean? I think things may have changed for me um, This is regarding information on cases that they are that are pending or they expect. To uh, to face lawsuit on, uh, lawsuit on this isn't just random storing of information you know just you have to store everything they're not doing that they're saying you can't destroy evidence in a case that's pending and I don't think I have a problem with that well the the way it came off initially was yes, uh, that I, everybody had I to do that. this I heard that I heard I heard that originally and I heard that in the uh, when I saw it on uh, whatever lying cable news network I happened to be watching at the time um, I. That was the way it was presented to me, but in this article, what it just said was um, you can't overwrite information on a case that's pending, and that's a whole different ball of wax as far well, as I'm com- concerned.
0: Company lawyers and information technology staff will have to work more closely together to ensure that routine erasing of backup data doesn't pose legal problems while also ensuring that lawyers know where their company's data are stored. The new rules make it more important for companies to know what electronic information they have and where, especially because of a provision that requires lawyers to provide information much earlier in a lawsuit before. Many large companies, quote, don't know what they have and are therefore unprepared when and if they are sued. Without a better sense of what data they have and where, some companies settle lawsuits in order to to avoid the costs ...of electronic discovery, she said. Better organization of the data can lower that cost and enable companies to avoid settling. Uh, some companies have paid a steep price for failure to preserve electronic information. In one high-profile high profile case, a trader, equities trader won a $29 million award in a federal gender discrimination suit. The presiding judge penalized the company for failing to recognize that missing emails would end up being relevant to future litigation. So I guess for other companies, this has turned into more of a suggestion than a uh, than a mandate. But nonetheless, it seems like they're going to get in a bit of trouble if maybe there is a lawsuit filed and they have already purged their files. And what would they do in that case? I would say that at that point, the information's gone. So it becomes uh, so. Basically, it's going to become a crime for you to uh, purge your files. Once a lawsuit has
1: been filed, though, of course... Or one that is, you know, sort of being threatened to be filed. Well, that's, yeah, I suppose that's a bit of a... Uh, yeah, knowingly shredding um, evidence is ought, ought to be um, against the law as far as I'm concerned.
0: 1-800-259-9231. Uh, so that's that's my bad, not really understanding what that story was. I thought for sure that that it was worse than it actually is.
1: Well, you know, it it, it's, it is going to be a pain in the butt for uh, uh, companies to uh, to participate in but you know technology is going to make it harder everything harder and harder and more complex so you know that that particular uh technology that allows you to put the information in better filing systems is just bound to come
0: along well this one really happened uh this one is uh, something that could apply to a lot of other people the union leader writing that uh, londonderry new hampshire monday morning is often trying for students and parents but faced with one particularly stubborn student a londonderry mom called in police The police. Yeah, that's right. Her kid was sleeping in, and she's such an ineffective mother that she called the cops to come roust him and wake him up and get him off
1: to school. I think maybe I would have arrested that woman.
0: Police officer Kim Bernard responded to a 6.58 a.m. report of a young man who simply refused to get up and go to school. Now, wouldn't you just, I mean, if you were a police dispatcher and somebody (laughs) called you in for this, wouldn't you just sort of laugh? And say, thanks, but we don't handle these situations. He's your son. Maybe you should deal with this and hang up the phone. I don't know
1: what I would do. In this case... That sounds like something I would do,
0: actually. I believe that the reason why the police showed up is because it is illegal for your children to not go to school because of compulsory attendance laws. Mm -hmm. So technically... I don't know if the they have to enforce that well, I don't know if by the son not going to school if he's breaking the law or if it's actually the parents that are breaking the law by the son not going to school, but somebody in that house was technically breaking the law. Mother called, advised her son Rob C. is refusing to get out of bed today, uh, to get out of bed and go to school today, the police log reads. At 7.14 a.m., Officer Bernard arrived at the, restaurants and, uh, the residence and encountered the suspect. Quote, I got Robbie out of his bed and advised him that it was in his best interest to get dressed and get ready to go, said the officer. Oh, yeah, ASAP, she added. Three minutes later at 7.17 a.m., the log reports son is in his mother's car. On his way. Yeah. The the cop being there probably changed everything. Londonderry police captain said the child definitely apparently gets the picture. So, was that a waste of police resources, or should parents who have lazy children be able to just pick up the phone and call the police over to their house at seven in the morning?
1: I don't know. Um, the the people of Londonderry paid for that. Um, so there's the gas that the uh, the cop spent driving over there mm-hmm. from where wherever she was, the uh, cop's time. Um, I don't, of course, she would have been on the city's payroll anyway. It's true. But I, I would bill that to her. Um, I think that that woman, the woman, yes, it's fine with me that the woman called the police. She should be billed something like $200.
0: This is why we need to have uh, a, a situation where people pay for the services they use. That way, you don't, that way, a mom's going to think twice before she picks up the phone to call the service of the police on her son. Because if she knew she was going to get a bill. If she knew there would be a $250 bill coming in the mail for that. Change I everything. Betcha she would have just let him sleep in a little bit. 800 259 You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. On the way, the latest on Jose Padilla. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on your website, on our website, actually, at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system is there. Over 140,000 posts await you. Over 1,300 people interacting. And it's all for free. A lot of fun. bbs.freetalklive.com. Don't forget to register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three day event, February twenty third through the twenty fifth, will be held convention style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash liberty That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We've been following the case of Jose Padilla or
1: Padilla, as some like to call him. Like his family. Yeah. I just can't I just can't <laughs> handle that. Uh, well, I uh, was listening to Rush today, and he said the same. He, he called a Padilla? Well, he did both. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was like, Padilla, Padilla, whatever. Okay. Well, uh,
0: we've been following his case for years on, on Free Talk Live, and for good reason, because he is one of the few people that we can point to and say, hey, look, look how the government is, look how your government, the American government, is treating this man. This guy has been arrested and held. Arrested. I don't know. Is it considered an arrest when you snatch somebody off the streets and throw them into a brig? I don't even. I don't even know if that counts as an arrest. He's been
1: seized. Yeah. You know, I. I was watching this. Uh, you know, the same uh, cable uh, bunch of lies this evening, and you know they were talking about. Well, he's. Just, you know, the the broadcaster, the newscaster, was saying that uh, he was uh, picked up in connection with uh, dirty bomb scare. La 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 la. You know they didn't mention he's not charged with that crap. No. They're holding him without charging him with with whatever it is that they said they picked him up with for in the first place. They
0: charged him finally with a, with a few things. That first of all they picked him up, threw him in a military brig, didn't tell anybody for a while. Then they finally came out and said, hey hey we've got this enemy combatant. He's a bad bad man. And We're doing a great job. Yep, and yeah, patting themselves on the back. And then people started saying, well, who is this guy? And people did their research. Some lawyers said, hey, we want to talk to him. Wait, what's that? He hasn't been allowed to speak with a lawyer? What country are we mm. living in? So that's why we've been following this case, because yeah. it's outrageous. Now, maybe Jose Padilla is a bad guy. Maybe he is. He may very well but, be. But nobody has ever bothered to present any sort of evidence to that end. They've never given this man a trial. To where they could actually come out with the so-called evidence they have and that's, say... That's where
1: you, you do these things, trials,
0: you know. Right. Um, so none of these things that normally happen with alleged criminals have happened with Jose Padilla. They've locked him in a military brig. They finally allowed him to see a lawyer after a few years of incarceration. Illegal incarceration in my mind. But they believe it's legal. And then after he got to see a lawyer, then we, find, you know, we find out well, more details. The Supreme about Court made them charge him finally. Finally, yes, the Supreme Court said, "This is it. You need to either charge him or release him." So finally, they threw a couple charges at him. And as you pointed out, Mark, none of those charges had anything to do with uh, being a dirty bomber. They were just—I I don't have the charges in front of me—but they didn't have anything to do with the original allegations. And, sort of and, ambiguous sounding and, things. And since as I then, recall. one of the charges, the most serious of the charges, has been dropped. So with that. In mind, here's the latest on Jose Padilla. This is actually going to be a bit of a look into how they treat this man, which we have we had a little bit of that before on Free Talk Live, but now you've got more detail. From Debra Sontag at the New York Times, one spring day during his three and a half years as an enemy combatant, Jose Padilla br- experienced a break from the monotony of his sol- solitary confinement in a bare cell in the brig at the Naval Weapons Station, Charleston, South Carolina. That day, Mr. Padilla, Brooklyn-born Muslim convert, whom the Bush administration had been acu- had accused of plotting a dirty bomb attack and had detained without charges, got to go to the dentist. A naval official declared wow. to a camera, "Today is May 21st. Right now, we're ready to do a root canal treatment on Jose Padilla, our enemy
1: combatant." I wonder why he needs a root canal. I wonder if his. I wonder if they just didn't give him a toothbrush and toothpaste for so long that his teeth were rotting out of his mouth. That's probably the case. I don't know if it is, but I'm just wondering. Um, they, you know, they've treated this guy so horribly and so inhumanely. I don't understand. They were walking. When I saw him walking on the news, they had him in blinders. Yep. Like they were taking him to the freaking bet cave. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't understand. Several guards in
0: camouflage and riot gear approached cell number 103. They unlocked a rectangular panel at the bottom on the door, and Mr. Padilla's bare feet slid through, eerily disembodied. As one guard held down a foot with his black boot, the other shackled Mr. Padilla's legs. His his hands were too good to hold the,
1: the legs of this man. It, it's more it, appropriate to hold his feet down with a boot. You'd think that he was a superhero. I mean, like, he's going to be able to crush humans. I, what, right. I mean, riot gear. Riot gear. I mean, they have to shackle him
0: through the door. I mean, how I've seen video footage of them transferring murderers and and other violent uh, criminals, people who actually were violent. In the I've past. seen
1: them transferring murderers and violent criminals. They don't do this. Right. They don't do anything like this. You know, when they're putting shackles on these guys, when I've seen them putting shackles on uh, prisoners, they do it with the guy sitting in a chair. They just go, you know, lean down there, put the shackles on him.
0: Do you think these guards feel silly with their? Uh... With all this with this garb on, I mean, it just seems so
1: totally un- unreasonable and and outrageous. <laughs> this is unnecessary. It seems oh, totally unnecessary to me. I mean, this this guy isn't superhuman. He, you know, maybe he he's has, a street thug at best. You know, maybe he has nothing to lose because you've taken away everything that he had to lose. Yeah. But I don't see how a couple of guys with uh, 38s on their hips couldn't handle this kid. Next, his hands emerged through another hole to be manacled.
0: Wordlessly, the guards pushing into his cell uh, chained Mr. Padilla's cuffed hands to a metal belt. Briefly, his expressionless eyes met the camera before he lowered his head submissively in expectation of what came next. Noise blocking headphones over his ears and blacked out goggles over his eyes. What is the point of this? Are we completely desensitizing this man? Are we completely shutting him off? Uh, I mean, is it like torch Is it a bad idea to let him see the sky when he goes outside? Yeah. What are well,
1: they? I mean, what's the point? This is torture, right, is if gonna, you ask me. Is he going to like send up smoke 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 signals to Al Qaeda, and they're right. going to they're going to send in their crack team of of uh, 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 green berets to break him out if he finds out where he is? I think I might be in the southeastern United States. Uh, yeah. What?
0: <laughs> then the guards, whose faces were hidden behind plastic visors marched their masked clanking prisoner down the hall to his root canal the videotape of that trip to the dentist which was recently
1: released down the, dr- the hall to the dentist yeah they had to put put on blinders they had to put blinders and noise blocking headphones to take him down the hall they didn't take I him out this. in a van someplace to court right. where he might be able to identify where it is that he is i think maybe this is what they're trying to do maybe which they're is trying
0: retarded to cuz the news identifies where he is He's the in a Naval Brig in South Carolina. Holy crap. The Naval Weapons Station.
1: <laughs> then there's no point in this. This is torture.
0: Yeah, this is. It's this, total it's desensitization, dehumanization. Yeah. You can't see, you can't hear, shuffle along with us down this corridor and say, ah, so we can do some dental work on you. <laughs> it's nuts. Which I just, you know, can you imagine how great the government dental work is in a prison?
1: I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's the predis- adequate.
0: The prison Jose Padilla's in? I, I'm sure it's Federal adequate. military brig? Mr. Medea's lawyers reviewed the tape, offers the, it offers the first concrete glimpse inside the secretive military incarceration of an American citizen. That's another detail that
1: I think is lost a lot
0: Yeah. in his case.
1: This guy is a citizen like you are. Whose
0: detention without charges became a test case of President Bush's powers in the fight against terror. Still frames from the videotape posted in his electronic court file late Friday. More on the way, 800 9231 does this outrage you, or are you happy that they're keeping this man in shackles and in blacked-out garb? More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. Ian here with and Mark. 1-800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free lines. For all of your voiceover IP needs, head over to Packet8.net and head over to our website at freetalklive.com for all kinds of fun stuff. That's all completely free. And we do ask that you support the show by voting for Free Talk Live. If you like what we're doing on the show, head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It's a a once-a-month voting process that we ask um, all of our listeners to take part in. And it makes a big difference for us because your votes help keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world. So we're a radio show first and foremost, but then we put the archives online and uh, allow – People from uh, all across the world to download them, and hence we are, I think, currently ranked as the number two podcast, at least the last time I looked.
1: Uh, I I remember it being number three. Yeah, Yeah, we're number three. Oh, my goodness. The Muggle cast is... uh, there after those darn Harry Potter kids. It's a
0: tenuous hold that we have up there on the top and uh, we still need your vote to head over uh, to to possibly get back to number 1. So head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you maybe less than a minute and all you need is your email address and that won't be sold, that won't be spammed, etc. So vote.freetalklive.com. Talking about Jose Padilla and a new video that has surfaced sort of giving you a window to his world or what his world, I mean The world inside his cell, I suppose, or just outside of it. This man hasn't had much of a world for the last three and a half, four. Actually, excuse me, it's been over four years, I think, since they very first picked him up and threw him in the military brig. Essentially, the videotape shows him taking a trip to the dentist in the exact same, uh, basically the same military brig that he's being held in. For some reason, they deem it appropriate to stop into his cell and shackle him and then black out his eyes and his ears. They've got essentially noise-canceling headphones, or... or, Weird. I don't know if you call them headphones. What's the point of that? uh, They've got uh, blacked-out goggles so he can't see. Uh, Maybe the point is so he can't see who the guys are that are transferring him from place to place and chat him up or something like that. Of course, later on in this article, it talks about how his behavior has been over the past four years, and... There's not been one single incident of violence. You would think that the reason they're handcuffing him yeah. and blacking him out is because he's Hannibal he's, Lecter. He'll kill right. you
1: with a freaking paperclip.
0: Right, he's a crazy man. But no, in fact, he's uh, described later on in this article as a piece of furniture. He just sits there. This guy's not dangerous at all. I bet his
1: will to live has been sucked away.
0: Well, indeed, to Mr. Padilla's lawyers, the pictures capture the dehumanization of their client during his military detention from mid-2002 until earlier this year, when the government changed his status from enemy combatant to criminal defendant and transferred him to the Federal Detention Center in Miami. He now awaits a trial scheduled for late January. Today, with other documents filed late Friday, the images represent the latest and most aggressive sally by defense lawyers, who declared this fall that charges against Mr. Padilla should be dismissed for, quote, outrageous government conduct, and I absolutely agree, (laughs) saying that he was mistreated and tortured during his years as an enemy combatant. Now lawyers for Padilla, who's 36, and since he went in in 2002, that means he went in at uh, age 32. Can you imagine? Four years of your life. No trial just being held. They suggest that he's unfit to stand trial. They argue he's been so damaged by his interrogations and prolonged isolation that he suffers post-traumatic stress disorder and is unable to even assist in his own defense. His interrogators, they say, included, or his interrogations, they say, included hooding, stress positions, assaults, threats of imminent execution, and the administration of truth serums. They drugged him up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A Pentagon spokesperson, like these truth serums. Who cares what they? Who cares what they are? Just give it to him. Let's see if he talks. Spokesperson for the Pentagon, Colonel Todd
0: Vision said Sunday that the military deputies, the military disputes Mr. Padilla's accusations of mistreatment, and in court papers, prosecutors deny, quote, in the strongest terms, the accusations of torture, and say that Padilla's conditions of confinement were humane and designed to ensure his safety and security. They're looking out for him, Mark. His basic needs were met in a conscientious manner, including halal, which is a Muslim acceptable food, clothing, sleep, and daily medical assessment, as well as treatment when necessary, the government stated. Well, I mean, this is Club
1: Med, Mark. I mean, why, why yeah, it's are we very so nice. upset? I, I, we, I'm sure that there's, uh, you know, they they play those, that, that stuff that they play really loud so he can't get any sleep, it's probably uh, sounds of surf slapping <laughs> against the shore. <laughs> <laughs> while in the brig, Girls playing
0: volleyball on the beach. While in the brig, Padilla never reported any abusive treatment to the staff or medical personnel. In the brig, Mr. Padilla was denied access to counsel for 21 months. Andrew Patel, one of his lawyers, said his isolation. Was not only severe but compounded by material and sensory deprivations in an affidavit filed on Friday, he alleged that Padilla was held alone in a ten wing cell excuse me ten cell wing of the brig, and that he had little human contact other than when his uh, with his interrogators that his cell was electronically monitored, his meals were passed to him through a slot in the door, that windows were blackened, and that there was no clock or calendar, and that he slept on a steel platform after a foam mattress was taken from him along with his copy of the Koran as part of the so-called interrogation plan. Oh, yeah, this is really humane. Blackening out the windows. No way to sense whether
1: time is passing. If I were him, I would have converted to Christianity within the first week.
0: What, so you could get a Bible to read? Is that what you're saying? No, so they'd leave me alone. I don't think that would have fooled them, Mark.
1: You don't think so? No.
0: No, I think it would have. I think it would have helped. These sadistic... Sicko guards? No, I don't think that would have helped very much at all. This is absolutely desensitization, dehumanization. And to suggest that his treatment was was appropriate? To suggest his treatment was humane? Designed to ensure his safety and security? Well, yeah, he might have been safe and secure, but that... Uh, let me, you know, read a book or something like that. You, you can't even look out of the cell. You can't even see sunlight. You don't know if you've been in there for, you know. I, I guess you could count the meals that you were given. That might be the only way to figure out how time was passing.
1: I, if, if you know, they were willing to uh, keep him from sleeping. They might have been willing to make him not. You know, miss a few meals. True, they might have only been giving him one every day.
0: They, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to keep track of the time, so he wouldn't have been able to say, Hey, you skipped a meal today.
1: Oh, I'm sure he'd have known.
0: Mr. Badia's situation as an American declared an enemy combatant and held without charges by the U.S. government was extraordinary, and the conditions of a detention appear to have been us unprecedented in the military justice system, even. Philip Cave, a former judge, advocate general for the Navy and now lawyer specializing in military law, said, quote, there's nothing comparable in terms of severity of confinement in terms of how it was held, especially considering this was pre-trial confinement.
1: Right. <laughs> He hasn't been convicted of anything.
0: Right. Now, you could compare his uh, holding maybe to being isolated in maximum security
1: at a prison, perhaps. No, maybe. you can't. I've never heard of anything like this. The only time I've ever heard of anything like this is Hannibal Lecter. That's Hollywood. That's it. Yeah.
0: Ali al Mari, a and Saudi dual citizen and the only enemy combatant currently detained in the United States, at least that we know of has made similar claims of isolation and deprivation at the brig in South Carolina. The Pentagon spokesperson, Mr. Vishen, said Sunday that he couldn't comment on the methods used to escort Mr. Padilla to the dentist. Blackened goggles and earphones are rarely employed in internal prison transports in the United States, but riot gear is sometimes used for violent prisoners, of which this guy was not. And the guy's not even commenting. So they they bothered to take the time to say, well, it's been conscientious. His basic needs have been met, his confinement humane, but we can't talk about why we used blackened goggles and earphones. Why not? I mean, if it's such a good reason, maybe you could explain to us. I mean, there must be a reason behind it.
1: They don't have to explain it to you, Ian. Why? Because they're not accountable? They're not accountable to you? They're they're apparently not accountable to the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. Apparently not. Concepts like common law and and, uh, being able to... Face your accuser and being charged with a crime without when you're being held. Padilla, uh, one of Padilla's
0: lawyers said, however, that Padilla was completely docile as a prisoner. There was not one disciplinary uh, disciplinary problem with Jose ever, not one citation, not one act of disobedience. In his affidavit, he said, "I was told by members of the brig staff that Mr. Padilla's temperament was so docile and inactive that his behavior was like that of quote a piece of furniture unquote." <laughs> Federal prosecutors and defense lawyers are locked in a tug-of-war over the relevancy of his military detention and the present criminal case. Prosecutors have asked the judge to forbid Padilla's lawyers from mentioning the circumstances of his military detention during the trial. Maintaining their accusations could, quote, distract and inflame the jury. Do you think this is going to be acceptable? Do you think the judge is going to prevent his defense from mentioning what happened at the hands of the military in the trial? That would be a total outrage. More on the way, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8 toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site. We give them away, and that does include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listened to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Continuing the latest update on the status of Jose Padilla. As you may know, he is the man who has been held for years now, for over four years of his life, without ever facing a trial. And we've sort of gotten into the details behind the uh, situation that he has been living under or was living under in his time at the military brig in South Carolina. Just total dehumanization, desensitization, uh, being transferred from one place to another with blacked out goggles, uh, essentially noise canceling. Ludicrous. It's
1: it's it's an amount of security that. It, it It's beyond the pale.
0: It you doesn't these, make any sense. You look at these pictures that they have, and we're going to link to this article on our bulletin board system, bbs.freetalklive.com, later tonight. But if you look at the pictures of these um, military guys who are doing the transferring of, of Jose Padilla, you, I think uh, stormtroopers when I see these guys. I mean, they've got full decked-out camo gear, you know, jack boots. They've got these big old helmets on, essentially, that are like riot gear helmets. I mean, it's you can't see their faces. It's just so
1: crazy what's going on with this guy. It's it's what Hollywood would do, and I mean, it, I don't understand it. it. Hollywood would make the police look like this, you know, yeah. um, faceless automatons. That's um,
0: exactly what they look like. Hollywood you wonder.
1: <laughs> would make this ludicrous thing like ear, you know, noise canceling headphones and blacked out goggles, because I mean. <laughs> You would think that this guy was Kwai Chang Kang or something. I mean, like, he could kick holes in concrete walls. You can't let him know where he is. He'll pet- telepathically communicate with al-Qaeda, and they'll send in the, you know, an army of al-Qaeda guys to get him.
0: Apparently, he's not Kwai Chang Kang. He's uh, completely docile. He was described as a piece of furniture. He does nothing. Uh, he's not even disobedient. In the jail. There have been no reports of anything like that. And I find this the most outrageous part of this whole update is that federal prosecutors who, now the federal prison authorities were saying earlier, oh, his treatment was humane, it's been fine. There's been Muslim food fed to him, and it's just been great. Even though the windows have been blacked out, he's had no idea what time or day it has been. For all he knows, he's been in there for a year and a half, although I'm sure his lawyers have told him otherwise at this point. But they completely uh, desensitized him from the passage of time, amongst other things, hooding and torturing and and just abuse at the hands of his uh, interrogators. And so the prison officials are saying, oh, no big deal. This is Club Med. But the federal prosecutors have asked the judge in his case, which is going to be supposedly going to court in January, to forbid his lawyers from mentioning the circumstances of his military detention during the trial, maintaining that the accusations could, quote, distract and inflame the jury. You think Do you think that uh, average Americans, even the ones that are afraid of the terrorists, might get a little angry of the fact that they were treating this guy in the fashion they were? You think? Obviously, federal prosecutors think. And they're going to try and get that information banned from the courtroom. But defense lawyers say it's unconscionable to ignore Mr. Padilla's military detention because, among other reasons, it altered him in a way that will impinge on his trial. uh, Dr. Angela Hegarty, director of the forensic, forensic psychiatry at Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens, who examined Padilla for a total of 22 hours this year, said in an affidavit filed Friday that he, quote, lacks the capacity to assist in his own defense. (laughs) He's He's a
1: vegetable.
0: It is my opinion that as the result of his experiences during his detention and interrogation, Mr. Padilla does not appreciate the nature and consequences of the proceedings against him, is unable to render assistance to counsel and has impairments in reasoning as the result of a mental illness, i.e. post-traumatic stress disorder complicated by the neuropsychiatric effects of prolonged isolation. You screwed him up! Well, he was a dum dumb before
1: this,
2: and now he's a veggie!
1: <laughs> I'm not sure that I believe everything that every uh, you know court uh, expert says, but I'll bet you there's a good chance he's messed up. I mean, just from the crap that we've read in the newspaper that this guy's gone through, I just can't imagine that it's... Well, I think about it. He was like a gang
0: member before, right? I mean, he was sort of a low-life, mm-hmm. trashy dude before, probably not the brightest bulb in the basket. And then you subject a guy like that with very low mental faculties to this sort of treatment? Makes sense. Makes sense. Padilla's status was abruptly changed to criminal defendant from enemy combatant last fall. At the time, the Supreme Court was weighing whether to take up the legality of his military detention and thus the issue of the president's authority to seize an American citizen on American soil and hold him indefinitely without charges when the Bush administration preempted its decision because, well, the Bush administration didn't want the Supreme Court deciding on that issue. They
1: They didn't want the loss that they knew that they were going to get. And then they filed
0: criminal charges against Mr. Padilla. Uh, and, and it goes on. Uh, just again, we're going to keep you up to, to up to date on this story as it continues to develop. But if the prosecutors get their way and they're barred, the defense is barred from mentioning his treatment, his captivity in court. They're just going to stack the jury with a bunch of clueless people that have never even heard the words Jose Padilla before.
1: And who knows what will happen to this guy at that point? I I don't know. I Very they, they really should. Um, be able to talk about what the kind of conditions he's been kept under because it's it's unusual
0: let's go to the phones to uh sam in texas you're on free talk live with Ian and mark hello sam hey guys hey what's on your mind
3: oh i'll make a quick comment about uh the padilla case when you guys were saying he was uh blindfolded and had earmuffs on so he didn't yeah. hear anything and walked down the hall I think that's probably to keep him from maybe passing messages to another inmate or something Not like that. Not
0: possible. I mean, he's he's walking down a hall. I saw the pictures of the hall. It's just a jail. I mean, you can't even you couldn't possibly see in uh, to the other cells if you wanted to.
3: Well, I. But even then, I mean, how ridiculous is that? After four and a half years, what kind of information to right. have that? Well, it presumes he relevant? even
0: knows who's in the cell with him. He doesn't know. Right. He's been isolated.
3: Exactly. And so uh, what I called in about was this terror threat assessment that the TSAs come out with. You guys covered it last week, and it's basically the number that they give to international travelers. That's correct, based on
0: a variety of factors like uh, if you bought a one-way ticket or if you're eating uh, vegetarian or whatever it is that you're – there's different factors.
3: And now I've called in before about flying as a selectee without showing ID, and I wonder does that put me on the list because that's something that's going to make me stand out amongst the millions of people that travel internationally every year. Well,
0: now can you fly internationally without getting, uh, getting while not showing ID? I don't think you get a, no, get, a, no, uh, get away just, with that.
3: They'll just send you back, or they won't let you onto the right. plane in the first place. But you know, coming back, that's something that's going to that they're tracking, I'm sure, because when I check in, uh, it's the airlines that's recording that I'm f- not showing ID and actually flying as a selectee. Mm-hmm.
0: Could and that information well
3: be. gets handed over to the government. So.
0: And now they're talking about sharing this information with uh, companies.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and then when you guys covered the story, you missed a priceless quote at the end that I had to bring up. Okay. And it was from uh, an assistant commissioner of Homeland Security. Uh, this is kind of his uh, summary of the whole program. And he says, quote, If this catches one potential terrorist, this program is a success. Oh. How high are his standards? He doesn't even have to catch a real terrorist. All he has to do to be successful in his job is falsely accuse one American or one person of being a terrorist.
0: It's so – that's such a cliché line for government. If it just saves one life, then all of the hassles that we've made you go through will be worthwhile. Excuse me. My time's valuable here. Right. I'd like to get to my destination. Who are you to say that? Amazing. Yeah. Sam, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800 259 to The Watcher in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark.
4: Yes. Uh, I uh, am a fe- former federal employee. I'm and sorry and, uh, about see, that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> they ruined my life. Uh, if you Look at the photographs, The man is obviously uh, totally deprived of all sensory perception.
0: This blacking guy, I thought he was wearing a VR helmet when I first saw the photos. (laughs) Those goggles are so big.
4: It's crazy. The man's mind is messed up. That's called ADX or RHX. uh, I'm sorry. ADX or NHX. What's that mean? NHX is no human contact. You're not allowed to look at, speak to, or uh, even view the feet of another person. I see. Uh, And all human contact. Uh, removal entails blacking out the windows, leaving him in a dark cell, and keeping him uh, naked and making him sleep on the cement floor or steel bed.
0: That's what they pretty much are doing. I, th- I think he does have uh, a jumpsuit. That's about it. He doesn't this have a... This is
4: ADX. I'm sure that they uh, handed him a uh, jumpsuit and the shoes just before they started shooting the video. I'm Mm. sure he's been in there naked with one sheet of toilet paper and nothing else the entire time he's been incarcerated. I'm very familiar with this procedure.
0: Oh, my gosh.
4: You use it to uh, to torture people into saying whatever you want them to
0: say. And that's what they've been doing. His only human contact has with been uh, has been with his torturers and his the interrogators. In, the
4: intel agencies and in the military and uh, the federal prisons use it regularly.
0: Outrageous. The watcher, keep us informed. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Hour two's on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Coming up, laws versus laws. It's free talk live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. Toll-free 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free lines. As we kick off Hour 2, it's Ian here with you. And Mark? 1-800-259-9231. Bring up anything. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Uh, let's go to Laws
1: versus Laws to start things out here uh, this hour. Mark, What are you? what is that all about? Well, it's a uh, it's an email that I got from uh, Mr. Reinke. Okay. Perhaps you guys could help redefine the language. That's giving us a lot of credit. As though we're going to redefine the entire language. Hmm. I see the law of gravity as having more gravitas than the uh, federal, law, federal, state, and local laws. Never mind all the other rules, regulations, and diktats from the government issues. Let's just focus on laws for a moment. I agree with him, by the way, so far. You, you can't break the law of gravity. No. I like the law of gravity and its many cousins, like the law of supply and demand or the law of conservation of momentum. They are universally fair and non-discriminatory. So, I don't refer to what the criminal gangs do in their various dens of iniquity um, as making laws. We need to recapture the high ground. When they neuter our language and they give themselves more power, imagine considering anything... They give themselves more power, excuse me. Imagine considering anything done by politicians as a law. It's absurd. If you must refer to their laws, and I'm thinking of that Crocodile Dundee line, that not... This isn't a knife. This, it that's not a, a knife. knife. This is a knife. Yeah, right. Uh, by Crikey. And then he... uh would also we would also also preface it with uh, federal law, state law, or weenie law, or whatever. So if you're going to say it's their laws, you should say federal law or state law or that kind of thing. Hmm, I see. Government law, I suppose, and some um, diminu- uh, diminutive to differentiate it from the big hairy natural laws. Bureaucratic there, law, how about that? It's one of the ways to go. I want to, I want to think of something uh, that's
0: more insulting. Than just federal law. Because a lot of people respect the term federal.
1: Ooh, it's
0: big. It's a big government and scary.
1: But at least it does differentiate, you know. From natural law, yes. sure. sure. Their weak, lame efforts to uh, make laws should be called something like lawlets. Wannabe laws. (laughs) I like lawlets. That's great. Uh, (laughs) Pathetic attempts at a law. But, you know, the the lawlets is kind of like uh, (laughs) using a term like Congress critters. You know, it, yeah. it takes a little bit of explanation, and it's not as, it's not funny to everybody. It can it can confuse the situation, mm-hmm. then rather than uh, adding to it. And so, P.S. Remember, when we get people laughing at them, their influence and power shrinks. Look how fast the cell phone tax disappeared. It was almost overnight when the media picked up on it that, um, and the people were calling it the Spanish-American War tax. Just like the Wizard of Oz, they can't help themselves but be laughed at because we will see how pathetic they are. Hmm. Best wishes from behind the lines of the People's Republic of New Jersey, um, Mr. Ranky.
0: one 800 259 I agree with that. Uh, I think that uh, we should make that determination because laws are uh, – the bureaucratic laws or lawlets are just words on paper written by men. Now, whether or not you believe in a god, I don't know. I mean, I don't believe in one, but you may, you may want to call the other laws God's laws. You may just want to call them laws, natural laws. These are the ones that are irrefutable. These are the ones that when you it, hurt
1: somebody, you you know you should pay for that.
0: Right. Um, also, if you uh, it, the law of gravity. I mean, there's just there's no getting around that. No, there certainly is. Even when you're in space and it appears you're weightless, you are still not getting around the law of gravity. It's still in effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all kind of, the laws of economic supply and demand, as he pointed out. Also, it doesn't matter how many lawlets the government passes, how many bureaucratic laws they pass about controlling drugs, for instance. The law and supply of demand uh, and demand will override it every single time, and it doesn't appear to uh,
1: to matter to them. It, it they can slow down the law of supply and demand, but they can't stop it. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Now 9231 free. Today I was uh, I was out giving blood. Uh, the uh, the crappy little town that I live in so small they don't even have a blood bank. So I had to go the once a month trip to the Saint Bernard's Church. To uh, give blood, and we're all down in the basement, and there's uh, you know 150 uh, keeniacs in there wanting so badly to give blood, and um, I thought it was funny because the gal who uh, was asking the questions clearly caught up in her little rules, and uh, (laughs) she asked she asked me, uh, well, you didn't fill out the section on the survey um, as to your uh, race and uh, ethnicity, and I said that's because I don't fill out the section on surveys. Does
0: that matter when it comes to blood? I mean, is it really blood type that's the issue?
1: She, um... I think that she wanted it to be. Well, here's here's what I think happened. So she asked me, you know, I and I said I'm, I'm not going to fill that out. And she said, well, we can't take your blood without like, you filling out the, the, the survey. And I said, well, I'll see you later. And I grabbed my stuff, you know, like, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I everyone did the, the takeaway clothes. She's like, whoa, hold it, no, she did, she didn't go like whoa yeah. or anything. She's like, well, <laughs> well,
0: I, wait a minute. <laughs> so,
1: I think what happened because basically she asked me some stuff about, it, and I'm like, I think it's wrong to ask that question. I don't think there should be any, um, you know, information take. Taken based off that. She said that it had to do with the blood and la la la. I'm not 100% sure this is true. And I've given blood gallons of blood without without ever giving this information out previously.
0: I don't think that they actually include that. I mean, I'm not a blood expert, but I don't think there's a difference between type O for a black man or type O for a white man. Blood's blood, right?
1: It, um there's probably some difference in the rh factors is what uh um you know hmm. she was she was indicating anyway i don't even know what an rh factor is it's it goes in with blood and i think that rh is the plus or minus huh but there's other stuff um, in indications of blood i don't so it's not as simple as ab and o oh it's it's as simple as ab and o they just want to make it more complex okay um Anyway, so she, I, I think what she did is she decided what my ethnicity was and put it in on the, the form after I left. Because I she wanted that pint of blood because a pint of bloods, I don't know what it's worth, but I'm guessing in the range of like 250 bucks.
0: If you're the one on the operating table, it's worth a lot.
1: Yeah, and you know they can sell it at whatever they want. They pretty much got the monopoly there, and you know somebody's insurance paying for it, so it doesn't really matter. You, you know, I mean nobody's paying for their operation with their uh, American Express card. That's just rarely done. It's true.
0: you take control of the airwaves, and since we're talking about health, what about seatbelts? Maybe they're a little bit riskier than you thought, according to Time magazine. If there's one thing that we know about our risky world, it's that seatbelts save lives, right? And they do, of course, but reality, as usual, is messier and more complicated than that. John Adams, risk expert and emeritus professor of geography at University College uh, College of London, was an early skeptic of the seatbelt safety mantra. Adams first began to look at the numbers more than twenty five years ago. What he found was that contrary to conventional wisdom, mandating the use of seatbelts in eighteen countries resulted in either no change or actually a net increase
1: in road accident deaths. That's amazing to me. Yeah. I don't I, I don't believe this. I would have thought that the seatbelt law was I, a I, good one, right? I do believe that this no no, I don't believe it's good. I believe it was effective. I think that, uh, you know, they, they have, and I don't even, I don't know if I believe what's being said here. I'm effective so Effective in what way?
0: Effective in effective. getting
1: people to belt up or effective in saving lives? Effective in getting people to belt up, because it's been effective so long that...
0: Oh, it's effective in getting them to belt up, but apparently, according to the stats, it's not doing anything to save any extra lives. But it's, it would seem to me that seatbelts save lives. He's been looking at the numbers. How can that be? Adam's interpretation of the data rests on the nos- uh, notion of risk compensation. The idea that individuals tend to adjust their behavior in response to what they perceive of as changes in the level of risk. Come on. Now this is going to jump back into. Now you say come on, Mark, but you take the European city studies uh, pretty seriously when we talk about getting rid of road signage and things like that. This is that same category. We talked recently about. But are you telling me that I drive like a madman when I when I put my seatbelt on? No, I don't think we're saying it's like a madman, but there is a slight perhaps subconscious change hmm. in how you assess your situation. Imagine, explains Adams, a driver negotiating a curve in the road. Let's make him a young male. He's going to be influenced by his perceptions both of the risks and rewards of driving a car. The considerations could get uh, could include getting work or meeting a friend for dinner on time, impressing a companion with his driving skills bolstering his image of himself as an accomplished driver. They could also include his concern for his own safety and desire to live to a ripe old age, his feelings of responsibility for a toddler with him in the car seat, the cost of bringing a banging up his shiny new car, or losing his license. Nor will these possibilities, conser, uh, possible concerns exist in a vacuum. He'll be taking into account the weather and the condition of the road, the amount of traffic, and the, uh, the capabilities of the car he's driving. But crucially, says Adams... This driver will also be adjusting his behavior in response to what he perceives are changes in risks. If he's wearing a seatbelt and his car has front and side airbags and anti-skid brakes to boot, he might just turn—he uh, might just turn—take uh, that turn a bit more daringly. Hmm. We'll come back with a little bit more on this. 800-259-9231. Is it possible that seatbelts are nothing more than something to feel good about? You take control of the airwaves. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. And this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Anything goes. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free 800-259-9231 on this Monday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com archives are there so if you've missed a moment of the show go and download them they're free those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for access to their archives and we give the archives and everything else that you'll find at freetalklive.com away on the house and by the way it's an entire year's worth of the show archive for your convenience front page FreeTalkLive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at FreeStateProject.org. That is FreeStateProject.org. As it stands, the First 1000 update, I guess, there's we still need about 400 more signatures. Under 400, it's about 379, I guess, more signatures between now and the end of the year. It's, I mean, it's coming down to it, Mark. I yeah. don't know if we're going to make it. We, um,
1: it's, it's going to be
0: close. We I would like to, sign. to. I would really like to make it. I would really like to be able to go into the new year and, and feel, uh, feel really happy about the fact that yes, there are a thousand people in the United States, a thousand people. That's not a big number. That there are a thousand people who are willing to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project in order to achieve liberty in their lifetime sooner rather than later. A thousand people to to whom liberty is so important that they're willing to perhaps pick up their entire lives, their businesses, and their families, maybe bring some friends along as well, and move to a, an entirely different state in pursuit of liberty. Is there a thousand people out there? Are there a thousand people out they there? They are. That's we just we'll have to get
1: out. the list in front of them. That's true, and because I've found I've been making some calls, um, right, to uh, you know people that have said that they're interested in moving to New Hampshire in the next couple of years, and. The fact is they they're ready to sign. We just have to get the list in front of them. Um I had I just made uh I think it was like 25 calls. Most of them were to disconnected numbers and old and old numbers and like that, mm-hmm. but the I may have gotten through to I think I talked to two people. Okay. One of them said no and one of them said um yes and his wife um also agreed and uh, so therefore I got two signers to the first 1000 and um a one signer to the Free State Project essentially by just saying just Just asking. Calling talking to two people. Yeah. And that's good I mean, and good job. And there's others
0: in the Free State Project that are taking the similar actions Mm -hmm. as well. So uh, not so much resting on our laurels as we were earlier in the year, now actually getting people to voluntarily pick up the phone and call other Free State Project members and ask them to commit. But you don't have to be a Free State Project member to join the first 1,000 pledge, though, of course, the two certainly go hand in hand. Um, So if you've yet to consider it, if you've you've yet to sign it, head over to freestateproject.org and learn more about it, because it's really important. I'd really like to see this be a success. Anyway, that said, uh, what's, let's see. We're talking about seatbelts in time. Reporting on a, a gentleman who's been studying seatbelts and their alleged safety benefits for the last two decades, over two decades, he's been looking at the numbers. He's been doing, the, you know, crunching the numbers, looking into situations, and he's discovered that maybe seatbelts are more about a perception of safety than anything else. And he's actually suggesting, sort of like the, I believe, the Hungarian study suggested. Uh, there was a Hungarian study that we looked at before about how if there's more signage on the roads, mm-hmm. if there's more, for instance, barriers on the side of the roads, people tend to drive more recklessly. Therefore, if you take the signage away... And fact, the barriers away. As we found uh, some European cities now actually taking away stoplights entirely, if you take away all these safety devices, people travel a lot more cautiously. And that's kind of uh, in the vein of, of this article as well. This article is in that same vein. Adams, who's doing the study, stresses that drivers who feel safe might actually increase the risk that they pose to other drivers, bicyclists, pedestrians, and their own passengers. While an average of 80% of drivers buckle up, only 68% of their rear seat passengers do. And risk compensation is hardly confined to the act of driving a car. Think of, for instance, a trapeze artist, suggests Adams, or a rock climber, motorcyclist, or college kid on a hot date, Add some safety equipment to the equation, a net, rope, helmet, or condom, respectively, and the person might try maneuvers that he or she would otherwise consider foolish. In the case of seat belts, instead of a simple, straightforward reduction in deaths, the end result is actually a more complicated redistribution of risks and fatalities. For the sake of argument offers Adams, imagine how it might affect the behavior of drivers if a sharp stake were mounted in the middle of the steering wheel, or if the bumper were packed with explosives. Perverse, yes, but it certainly provides a vivid example of how perception of risk could modify your behavior behind the wheel. It does. In everyday life, risk is a moving target, not a set number as statistics might suggest. In addition to external factors, each individual has his or her own internal comfort level with risk-taking. Some are daring, while others are cautious by nature. And still, others are fatalists who might believe that a higher power devises mor- uh,
1: devises mortality schedules that fix a predetermined time when our number's up. Con- I don't think that. I, I think that people may believe that, but I don't think they operate like that. I think that, that person <laughs> yeah. there is going to swerve out of the path of the oncoming truck. I mean, it, it,
0: instead of saying it's my time, it's, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. Consequently, any single measurement assigned to the risk of driving a car is bound to be only the roughest sort of benchmark. Adam cites as an example the statistical fact that a young man is one hundred times more likely to be involved in a severe crash than is a middle-aged woman, similarly, someone driving at three a m Sunday is more than a three a m Sunday is more than one hundred times more likely to die than someone driving at ten a m on Sunday Someone with a personality disorder is ten times more likely to die, and let's say he's also drunk. Tally up all See, these. And factors. They don't even
1: know you. Personality disorder. You don't even drive that much.
0: <laughs> Tally up all these. What is my personality <laughs> disorder? I don't know, but it's it's deep and it's uh, invasive. Tally up all these factors and consider them independently, says Adams. And you could arrive at a statistical prediction that a disturbed, drunken young man driving in the middle of the night is 2.7 <laughs> million times <laughs> more likely to be involved in a serious accident. Then what a sober middle-aged woman driving to church (laughs) seven hours later. The bottom line is that risk doesn't exist in a vacuum and that there are a host of factors that come into play, including the rewards of risk, whether they're financial, physical, or emotional. It is this very human context in which risk uh, exists that is key, says Adams, who titled one of his recent blogs, What Kills You Matters, Not Numbers. Our reactions to risk very much depend on the degree to which it is voluntary, like scuba diving or maybe jumping out of an airplane. Like I'm not going to do that. No, no. You would never do that. Ju- no. Well, There's you're... just too many stories of people shoots not uh, not activating, Come and on. I don't think the adrenaline if rush I paid is for, worth it.
1: If I paid for us to go, uh, no jumping. What what do they call that? The, no, it's not because I'm afraid. It's uh, oh, man, I don't know jumping sky out of
0: skydiving. Sky it's not because I'm uh, afraid of heights. I'm not. It's just uh, I don't want to die on the way down. No thanks. But the chance of uh, the
1: chances of that happening
0: are sm- very very small.
1: Yeah, they probably
0: are. But it's a totally voluntary risk. I know that I my risk is high when I'm getting into a car and driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. But you have to drive to get through life. You don't have to skydive. And but so it
1: seems like an unnecessary. You have to skydive risk. in order to have a life that you sco- skydive in. Right. But I don't. It doesn't matter to yeah, me. It's just, just an a, adrenaline rush. I'm not a junkie. I just don't understand how people I can understand say to themselves. Why, yeah you know i've got one life and sure it's short but i don't need to do that well
0: um wouldn't you feel like man this really sucks if your parachute didn't open i had a business appointment i wouldn't to get feel you that today. way for very long i don't know well yeah about four seconds
2: <laughs>
0: and i
1: don't think i would want that to be my last feeling well you know? you know my my life insurance is paid up uh you know my will's in place it'll be fine
0: well, anyway, let's continue. If you want to comment on skydiving and taking other risks, uh, uh, doing other risky events like that, 800-259-9231. So the risk uh, or reactions to risk depend on the degree to which it is voluntary, unavoidable, like public transit, or imposed, air quality. The degree to which we feel we're in control, driving, or at the mercy of others, like plane travel. And the degree to which the source of possible danger is, d- is benign, doctor's orders, indifferent, nature, or malign, murder and terrorism. We make dozens of risk calculations daily, but you can book odds that most of them are so automatic or visceral that we barely notice them. So, are seatbelts really just more about a perception of safety than anything else?
1: It's so hard to imagine.
0: And this man has crunched the numbers, and I presume presume that looking at New Hampshire might have been uh, something that he did. I bet that... I I mean, I wonder. He says that 80% of drivers... Hey, we missed the break. All right, we'll be back. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, also known as the Packet 8 toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the wiki. wiki.freetalklive.com gets you to it. Over 850 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website at wiki dot freetalklive dot com. So uh, I was gonna go to the email box here. I believe I had something come in on uh, the, 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 the police problem in Georgia. Upcoming libertarian holiday. I guess I didn't do my show prep on that one, huh, Mark? Uh, let's go to the police planting evidence. How about this one? Police admitting to planting evidence on people's property. Hundred, oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> A Huntington Beach police officer's exoneration for planting a loaded gun in a suspect's car has led to the revelation that police routinely plant evidence in unsuspecting uh, civilians' vehicles for so-called training purposes. What? Chief Kenneth Small said Friday that police plant contraband, including unloaded weapons, fake drugs, and drug paraphernalia, in suspects' vehicles after they're arrested as a method of training new officers in searches. Now, the training practice came to light Friday, this is uh, the Orange County Register reporting, after a Huntington Beach man said he learned that an officer who planted a handgun in his car during a traffic stop was exonerated of wrongdoing. Thomas Cox, who was later convicted of traffic and drug violations, said he watched in horror as another officer found the gun in the trunk of his Hyundai, igniting laughter amongst the officers. News of the training technique sparked surprising criticism from police officials across the country, uh, who said a pl- uh, who said planting weapons in civilian vehicles is, quote, inappropriate and a bad idea. I never heard of anybody doing that, you said think, George You Wright. would
1: think that they could do this on some kind of practice vehicle. Yeah, you'd think. You know, somebody who got a vehicle impounded somewhere along the line, decided that the vehicle wasn't worth picking up, and, um, you know, there's got to be hundreds of those in Huntington Beach, oh, California. Yeah. Um, you would think that they could just hide their little stuff in there, and you can do your practice thing on some vehicle that they essentially own. But no, no, we're going to do it on your vehicle when you're arrested on the side of the road. Uh, Police
0: in Vegas, or according to the Criminal Justice Department at Santa Ana College, I've never heard of anybody doing that. You're using someone else's property, and that can lead to other problems. What if somebody forgets about the gun and just leaves it behind? Police in Vegas abandoned a similar training uh, tactic for police uh, drug-sniffing dogs last year when a man was falsely charged with drug possession after a canine officer forgot to retrieve drugs planted in the man's car, and apparently they weren't using fake drugs in that case.
1: Well, you would have to use real
0: drugs for them to find it, right? Of course you would. Still, Small said the exercises teach newer officers how to search vehicles in realistic uh,
1: situations. Oh, Uh, I don't have a problem with the the exercise, hiding stuff in cars so that dogs and officers can look for them and find them. I, I have a problem with which well, vehicles they're doing it in.
0: I sort of do have a problem. I mean, this is just teaching uh, cops to search, which, of course, is only really necessary in the case of finding drugs, really. I mean, this is
1: all about invasive, uh, inva- invading well, your privacy, invading your property. That's a symptom of the problem. I mean, you know, drugs are illegal. I don't think they should be illegal. Um, and while they're illegal, the police are going to... Uh, enforce that and so it it makes very good sense that they're going to have training practices for the enforcement that they're going to do um i mean i have a problem with them being illegal i have a large a problem with the 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 larger issue not Mm -hmm. the smaller issue
0: can you imagine how you would feel if you actually were getting arrested and you saw one of the cops drop a gun in your trunk (laughs) it was
1: Freak me out, that's for sure. Cox
0: said he was feet away from Officer Brian Knorr that January evening when Knorr flung the gun into the trunk. I was thinking, what the hell is this? <laughs> said Cox, a 45-year-old construction superintendent. Oh, I thought God. I was going to get a weapons charge. I thought I was going to get my butt kicked. An officer found the gun minutes later, said Cox. That's not my gun, Cox said he shouted. <laughs> and uh, Cox had been pulled over by the police after a witness said he saw him hit another vehicle, flee the scene, uh, you know, he was convicted for whatever it was he was doing, but nonetheless, I mean, pretty scary. Can you imagine being in that situation? I mean, th- these scary cops, is the right word. You don't trust these guys. You don't know they're gonna do the right thing or not. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally well, inappropriate. It's just scary. I yeah. don't think it's uh, it's inappropriate. I
0: mean, there have well, been examples. They're doing
1: it on that. that, that yeah. Right,
0: yeah. and there have been examples it's of them mess. forgetting. Whoopsie. Yeah. Let's well, just leave that gun. I don't your know trunk. if there's
1: examples of uh, there there may very well be examples out there that they don't. You know that the, they forgot and they charged the guy and, and they just ran it on through the system and the poor guy just pled to it amongst other things or whatever. We're going to the phones to the fun to Bill in Kansas City
0: listening on KCXL. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello.
5: Hey, I uh, wanted to talk about why we can't win the war in Iraq. Okay. It's, uh, up to and including World War II, our military openly attacked civilians. Case in point was Nagasaki, Hiroshima, they purposely did not bomb those cities so they could see the full effect of the atomic weapon, and that's the only time in history when 110,000 people died in one second.
0: It's also the only time in history when a, uh, a country, a government, has actually used a nuclear weapon on another uh, another government or another uh, set of people.
5: Yeah, and Sick. if we don't attack their civilian population like they're doing to us, then we've lost. Well, so wait, we're, we're not going to win. We've lost right now because we won't attack civilians well, because of this pinpoint precision. Laser guided smart bombs. I'd like to isn't working.
1: I'd like to to address that in several instances. First off, a war is a um, you know it's a conflict between two governments. Iraq, United States beat Iraq. Um, I know everybody says we lost, and and that's the the popular nomenclature. It's not so. Um, their you know their leader is in prison. We put him there. Uh, we defeated them utterly and thoroughly. Their army does not exi- Did not exist anymore. We put everything back together. What we've lost is the policing. Of the the new free Iraq, and we lost So-called. we lost that before we ever went in because of the agreements that we made with the UN and with Turkey regarding um, keeping Iraq together. Iraq is a line that was drawn by a white guy um, from England and named. It, you know, it doesn't belong yep. together. There are three separate tribes there. That for, why would why should these people live together?
5: Well, they shouldn't. We need to kill them so that way they can fear us. Well, You're well, we shouldn't shouldn't there's there's advocating I genocide, make. sir? Yes, I am. What, what, because, what is wrong with their you? Culture, because their culture is a waste of time, just like Africa. How dare you? This, Who do you think you if, are if,
0: to make a ju- judgment call on somebody else's culture?
5: Now, listen for a second. If this world was going to get an enema, Africa, one end of the hose would go into Africa. Okay. That's a waste of time. Now, number one. Number two is. Why? Oh no! Yeah, hold, hold, hold hold You
0: can go to number two in just a moment. Let's look at number one. Who do you think you are to suggest that somebody else's culture is a waste of time, sir?
1: He's God. He's giving the world an enema. I didn't
0: ask what you, Mark. I asked you,
5: Bill. Do you do you want to lose? I mean, because we're going to lose our culture. Do
1: I want to lose what exactly?
5: Our culture. What is because our culture? That's what we're doing, huh? What is our British culture? American Greco-Roman.
0: I don't understand. Can you define it for me?
5: Uh, it's Christian values.
0: Oh, but I'm an what's atheist. What's in our
5: country? Huh? I'm an atheist. So am I.
0: So... I mean, it doesn't
5: have anything to do with it.
0: Here's, I a, here's the don't other thing.
5: Don't get it. In, in the 90s, this government blamed the white American gun owner and the militias.
1: Yeah. I The I'd, I'd say four that they...
5: little things, the assault rifle, the high-capacity magazine, the pistol grip, the bayonet, and the folding stock. Now, isn't it odd that our professional army is being beat by a militia?
0: I don't no think it's odd at them. all. I don't think it's odd. I mean, We're you're looking at defense versus offense. You're looking at defense versus offense. I don't think it's odd that a militia would have a better chances of success because they're decentralized. The U.S. government military, even though they're the biggest and most powerful military in the world, is still an inefficient, slow, stupid bureaucracy, just like the post office is. You know, they can drop bombs here and them. there, but they don't do it very well.
5: We, You know what would be the best thing in this planet to happen? Mecca, Medina, and Israel to be new.
0: No, sir. No, 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 nothing, no, no. No, you're wrong. The best Jesus thing to happen, back, the best thing the to happen, what are you talking about? Happens. Jesus is going to come back. You just said you no, were an atheist. I'm saying when
5: after Jerusalem is destroyed, Jesus won't come back, and then in about ten years, the religious leaders will go, hmm, maybe we should move on.
1: Well,
0: no, I, I think the best thing
5: that would happen... it's really the sad that you're willing to know.
1: sacrifice all those people's lives for your little plan of not bringing Jesus back.
5: Well, they're gonna, when they release smallpox over here, what are they going to do to us?
1: Who's they? Who's they, and where are they going to get smallpox from?
5: Who's they? Who have we been talking about? I don't know. I don't know. We've been talking about faith. the government,
0: but if
1: you'll hang on, I'll bring you back, because you're a crazy loon.
0: 800-259-9231, talking about wiping out an entire uh, population of people to fit your personal agenda. Now, the best thing to happen to the world would be for all of the people that are running government to keel over and die tomorrow morning. Oh, that would be wonderful. More's on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, 800-259-9231. And if you're really crazy, we'll hold you over a break
1: just so we can talk to you some more. But unfortunately, uh, that guy... He hung up. Well, it's the best way because, um, you know, he would have gone off and said, You cut me off. You didn't give me a chance to talk. (laughs) And uh, so this way, you know, he had the opportunity to come back, and he didn't. 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. You
0: can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. We ask that you support the show on a voluntary basis by buying some stuff. First of all, you can buy Free Talk Live stuff like T-shirts and hats and that sort of thing at store. Dot dot com, that's store dot freetalklive dot com, and then for everything else you might possibly need to buy in life, from books to DVDs to office products to furniture, baby stuff, accessories, clothing, you name it, they sell it. At amazon.freetalklive.com. dot com. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. dot com. Tis the holiday shopping season mark, and that means that you've got probably a list of stuff that people want you to buy for them. Right. You're gonna buy it somewhere. Why not do it online? You don't have to leave the house. You don't have to go and uh, brave the shopping malls and the lines and the cashiers and the ornery customers. You just stay home. Order it all at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And for all those people that you don't know what to get, gift cards. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Great way to support the show because a percentage of your purchase Helps Free Talk Live when you shop through Amazon. Dot Com. You know, just a couple points. Even though that uh, gentleman who called in, I don't know if I, I don't know if I should even grace him with that term. That dude who called in a moment ago. Oh, hey, he's back, Bill. You're uh, back on Free Talk Live. You're so brave to to join us again here on on Free Talk Live. Now, Bill, uh, calling from Kansas City, K C X L listener, you were saying that uh, do we want to win? in Iraq. Uh, you're talking about how you believe that the only way to win, so-called, is to exterminate the entire population of basically the Middle East, but specifically Iraq. And I'm just wondering... what Africa ex- was tossed, tossed in there, too. What exactly... Yeah, you did want to kill Africans as well. What exactly would I win as an individual if uh, we exterminated those uh, those people?
5: Well, first of all, I didn't say kill the whole entire Middle East, and I did not say kill the whole continent of africa so who, who, do, you want, do, you who do you want to kill I, well if you'd let me talk i'd say it i want to kill the civilians that are supporting these militia groups
1: but if, if with a nuclear weapon you're going to kill the civilians that aren't supporting them too
5: yeah you will that's so you do want to kill everybody and that's the only reason we got under control of the uh, people that thought they had a god emperor
1: well i, I have we a problem with what we did of. in japan too and, you know, and i could address that if you'd like
5: here is we're still trying to figure out a nice way to cut our enemies throats and that's where we're messing up.
1: I don't think they're my enemy.
5: They are your enemy, sir. No, they're not, sir. They want sir. to kill you. They want to kill your children. No, if they, they, want if they want to kill me, it's because wife. we've
1: gone over there and played God in their and in, in their sand for the last hundred years. If they want to kill me, that's the reason.
5: You know why? Because their culture is a waste of time. In we your opinion, well, I, it's a little unfair to say
1: that um, our culture is the best one and that um, the way we do things is the only way. I mean, is I, that ethnocentrism? I it, it absolutely you know, for
5: somebody is. Somebody that. This culture tr- chain, uh, trades their women and daughters like cattle. you agree with that?
1: No, you I
2: don't. You know what? And
1: Whether and or their not their like I agree like doesn't cattle. matter. Bill. But I know that um, when it comes to freedom, that you can't give it to someone that they, in fact, have to earn it. So those people over there have to figure out freedom on their own. And the only way we're going to do that is by showing them freedom from here. And freedom doesn't mean you trot around with your nuclear weapons and blow up people that disagree with you. Freedom is actual liberty and a small government.
5: Well, you know why you moved to New Hampshire and not Iraq? Because this is the best country in the world.
0: I would I would concur with you.
5: their culture is a waste of time, sir. We may be the best the country in the world. Uh,
0: we may be the best country in the world, but I think even that claim is coming into question these days. With uh, with countries like, or, I mean, I know Hong Kong isn't really a country anymore, but with places like Hong Kong, Singapore, other places scoring higher on lists of economic freedom than the United States does. So really, uh, the United States is really losing its claim to fame as time goes on. And how long are we going to continue being the best country in the world when we continue to invade other people's countries and kill them? And you're saying that it's a problem. You're saying you want to wipe out the people who are supporting the insurgents. Well, I actually think that the people who are supporting the insurgents are doing the right thing in Iraq. Think about how you would feel if the China, red Chinese came over here to do a little bit of peacekeeping in the United States, set up military bases outside of your city, and started running patrols into your city, demanding your identification, stopping you at checkpoints, and uh, killing your friends and family members. Don't you think you might become an insurgent or an insurgent supporter at that point, sir? Well,
5: of course I would. Exactly, look, and I'd the be science. fighting alongside you. of you. you'd be called a freedom you go to fighter. A job interview, okay? You don't want that job interview to tell you, okay, do you read and write and speak Arabic, or do you read and write and speak Chinese? You want them to say English. Our culture is the way to go. Their culture is a waste of time.
1: Well, uh, the job interview – hold on. I'm sorry. You, you, you've, just, you've convoluted it there because when somebody goes to a job interview, they're going – it was understood that they're going to the United States of America. So I do want them to speak English. Um, so And then the to China say our culture is the way to go like
5: – we're going to go to a job interview, and they're going to tell us, "Well, do you read, write, and speak Chinese?" Then we know we're. What are trouble. you
1: talking about? That's
5: where, that's where it's going. I see. He's going. saying that English right is the now, most important
1: language in the you, world, so therefore this the is the one that counts.
5: You didn't move to California. How come you didn't move to Southern California? Because there are a bunch of socialists. Because it's getting ready to be taken back by no, no, sir, That that's no, not Mex- a factor at all. In fact, no, 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 we we need sir, need you set set don't get it. You don't get it, buddy. I want, I want Mexicans to, to move here. I
0: want to open the borders. You just keep talking there, pal. I just want to open the borders here in New Hampshire, and I want anybody, Chinese, Mexican, Guatemalan, I want anybody who's in search of freedom, in search of More freedom than they had and willing to understand the principles of liberty to come here. I don't care what color they are. That was not a factor in us not choosing California. California is overrun by a bunch of white socialists who are in charge of government there. And that's the problem with California, not the immigrants coming in, sir.
5: Yes, it is. It's the immigrants. They they, met you.
0: Oh, it's because they're threatening your culture, your precious white Christian culture that you love so much as an atheist. You're a strange man. Now, why is it that that you're so obsessed with white Christian culture, sir? How can you be an atheist?
5: You, You know it's the best thing going you know it
1: is. I concur with
5: you that Everybody it is the best thing, that.
1: but I don't think that mine's so good that I'm willing to kill what? other people for
5: it. We respect our women. We respect our children. We don't respect girls, property. We don't they respect don't.
1: property, do we? We apparently right. don't respect their win- women if we're willing to kill them, by the way.
0: do yeah. do You say we as though we are some all you know we – we're all the same, which, of course, is a collectivist concept. But I'll play your game. Do we, as a country, respect private property, sir?
5: Well, what's that got to do with winning the war?
0: It has to do with being the best country and all the other wonderful claims you're making about how great this culture is. Do we respect private property in the United States?
5: No. That's what I tell people around me all the time. They say, well, I own my land. I don't pay taxes on it. And I say, well, don't pay the personal property tax in five years. You'll find out who owns it.
0: Okay. So you do get that part. So, you know, yeah. there's, uh, there's certainly some serious problems that we have here in this country. And one of the disrespects... One of that they show towards property is that they demand that I fund wars of aggression around the world. And if I don't pay taxes for those wars of aggression, then I'm going to be the one thrown in the military brig. So if I don't want to participate in your genocide, sir, then I'm going to be the one who's punished. And I don't think that that's very respectable at all. Is that what you're fighting for, the right to take other people's property at gunpoint? Because that's what it seems like.
5: Well, that's what we should do.
0: Oh, well, I disagree. Take over
5: Mexico, South America. What do we want? Hold on. If we
1: take it over, then we're going to have those citizens as our citizens. Do you want them as citizens of the United States of America, or do you want to kill them all and just use their land?
5: Well, I could take number two. You're a sick man. Thanks for the call.
0: 800-259-9231. It's almost hard to believe people like that are real. He's like a petty little Genghis Khan. Let's go to the phones to uh, Ash in Sweden. I don't know if I got that right. Uh, You're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
3: Hello, I'm calling from Sweden. How do you pronounce your uh, name? Siavash.
0: Siavash. What's on your mind?
3: Yeah. Uh, about this guy uh, just called and wanted to kill everyone from Middle East. Uh, I'm from Iran originally, and I live in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Where do you live, I I'm sorry? To... Sweden. Sweden, okay. Yes. Uh, I wanted to just remind the guy that not everything is a waste of time because uh, alcohol is was made in... Middle East. So that's one one of the things that comes from there.
0: So you're saying without uh, the Middle East, there would be no alcohol. Is is that? Which yeah, is... Th-
3: that's one one of the things.
0: And so Americans that's... do love their alcohol. Yeah. <laughs>
3: anyway, so that's all. Oh, okay. I'll well, keep it short.
0: well, thank you, sir. We appreciate it, and uh, yep. and, and we appreciate hearing from you. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Just crazy. I mean, just crazy talk to suggest
1: that oh, if if you're not in our culture, you deserve to die. It's not. He's not entirely, entirely, entirely mistaken. If we want to quote unquote win the peace in Iraq, we need to go ahead and kill everybody. But who wins? Nobody. Right, I I don't win anything. The two extremes are, apologize to everybody for getting involved in their business, and take our stuff and go home. I I think that's the the sensible option. I'm totally for that one. But he keeps keeps saying, well, don't you want to win?
0: Well, I'm not going to win anything. (laughs) Either way it goes, we're losers, because we still have to pay for whether or not we leave, or whether or not we bomb, or whatever it is they decide to do. We're all going to pay for it, and we all lose. If you, especially, you don't even, not even counting the lives that will be lost, which of course is the real tragedy. Hour three is on the way. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show, Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just three dollars a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show, you take control, toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet eight toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, all the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy that, freetalklive.com, as we kick off our three Monday edition. To the phones we go, to start things out here, with Kurt in Michigan, on the Amplifier Line. Hello, Kurt.
6: Hi, Mark. How are you? you?
0: Great. What's on your mind?
6: Well, actually, I just wanted to say, I'm an amplifier. I'm Great. the guy that sent you in the, uh, the uh, money order from the post office of all places.
2: Okay. Um,
6: but I just wanted to say uh, that the 27th, uh, the show about the cops.
2: Yeah,
0: the, people... the show we had uh, last, was a week ago today. Uh, the police officers who were calling in throughout the entire show and police supporters, was uh, what did you have to say about it?
6: That is probably one of the most compelling three hours of radio I've ever heard in my life.
1: I
0: wow. thought
6: it
2: was
1: really good uh, too.
6: And as a result of the work, the good work I think you do, uh, tomorrow I'm going to go out get another, cut another money order for the sixty dollars and, and get it up to ten dollars a month, uh, amping guys.
0: Wow! Thank you, thank, thank you so much. What uh, what did you find most compelling about that particular uh, that broadcast?
6: Um, I, I I found it very strange that. That people were calling up with the arguments that they were, like like the young lady who ended up in tears at the end after she dropped the S bomb twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, who, who said that her her boyfriend would actually, you know, throw <laughs> people to their deaths? If that yeah, she said that her job.
0: boyfriend would actually uh, t- 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 take Jews and lock them into concentration camps. If in fact,
1: if this was if was his job, yeah, if it was his job to go ahead and put them in the concentration camps and gas them, well, of course he'd do his job because he's a good guy.
6: But the follow-up question to that would have been, and you would stay with a, good job, with a guy whose job it is to kill people for Ooh, a living. That
1: would have been a
0: good that one. That would have I'll been a good you. one. We didn't think of that <laughs> one. <laughs>
6: so, so, uh, but anyway, uh, my, my, pet, my pet project when I come up with you guys is, is DROs. Um,
0: oh, Defense Resolution Organizations, as they've been called.
6: Yes. And, and I've, I always play devil's advocate, even with myself, because oh. I not my own beliefs, I can't grow as a person. Sure. And I always think... Well, how would this practically apply itself? And any business is going to want to serve their their bigger clients with a, a little more gusto than they would with their you know a smaller client.
2: Perhaps, and sure.
6: If, if well, I mean that's, that's smart business. I mean, I have a a, a business, sorry, a service-oriented business, and people who spend more with me get more consideration. Fair enough. Uh, but if if the contestants litigants should I say in a DRO if, if that is almost always and as I take it it probably almost always would be one individual and one insurance company just the insurance company might bring six seven eight hundred suits a year and this person might only be involved in one of them a year wouldn't a dr wouldn't a, an arbiter for a DRO kind of almost you and hard to stop himself from extra consideration for the guy who brings in a thousand cases here instead of it's,
0: one. It's an excellent question. Uh, we're talking about a private sort of uh, court situation in America where arbitrators are um, seen more frequently than government courts, that sort of thing. I think that what you'd see probably is that arbitrators um, would really, their primary. And and I don't necessarily subscribe to the DRO concept at all. I think it's interesting. It's worth looking into. I'm not, a, uh, I, I'm not an adherent, um, but I do like the idea of arbitration, and I can see where you're coming from, even without the DRO situation of arbitrators having some bigger clients than others. And I think that, really, when you're selling your arbitration services, you want to sell on the fact that you're going to be fair regardless of who it is that uh, is bringing a case in front of you. And I think that you can see similar things to, uh, to this in the marketplace, where, for instance, banks, uh, a lot of banks will say, when you bank with Marks National Bank, you're not just a number, you're a friend, you know, where they sort of try to personalize their services as much right. as possible to the little guy. And I think that arbitrators are not going to be want to be seen as favoring WalMarts as favoring, you know, Target, the big companies. I think they're going to strive might, for uh, for for being unbiased. They may want
6: to be seen as that to their their biggest customers. You know, I want to go to this. I want to write this arbitra- arbitration court into all of my, you know, insurance policies because we've got the best track record with that. You know what I mean? But
0: yeah, right. I, I see what you're saying. However, you also have to remember that when you're in entering into a contract, if you don't like that arbitrator, you don't enter into that contract. Until that contract has contract insurance or arbitration companies that you both agree on. So, in a more free market situation, both parties, big party and little party, are agreeing in advance to the arbitrator. In most cases.
6: And I just have one other one other comment to all the amplifiers out there who are listening. Um, please double your amp money. Uh, <laughs> this is something that these are these are the types of shows need to get out on the air. They should be playing in every major city in the country.
0: And uh, we thank will be. You, and, and uh, Kurt, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. He's right. The amplifiers are really what makes Free Talk Live uh, click and turn, as far as in the industry is concerned. Uh, hoping to have some some new announcements of new radio stations coming on board by the end of this year, and uh, we're expecting our biggest station ever. I shouldn't jinx it by saying
1: anything well, else. Well, I hope so, too. You know, the... <sighs> I, I appreciate it and it's sort of he's he's given us additional as a reward sort of for our behavior and mm-hmm. that kind of thing but you know I I, I need this we need to stress that the money doesn't go to us. I mean it That's really I, it doesn't buy me a soda pop. Well, maybe on the trips. Yeah, yeah, you do yeah. Get, because we go to the Talk Radio conventions right, okay. twice a year. Some uh, amp We're we'll, going to Los we'll come up with Angeles. Uh, a little bit little bit of money. But I paid for uh, my, most of my meals I think on Pretty the last much. trip. Anyway, well, I mean, it's included in the ticket price for the most part. Right. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a few things I, I might get that actually go into my stomach for AMP. But, right. you know, just the most you had a few minimal beers. things. You had a few beers at the Talk Radio Seminar. Right. Well, they were because it, it was an open bar. Right. But that's included in the price of the ticket. That's true. But and the, actually, we didn't But know. the next seminar I didn't because um I, it was Lent and I had given up alcohol. Mm. So, anyway. Because um, you're weird. Well, I just I just do Lent for fun. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Uh, It it needs to be stressed that we don't get anything out of AMP. You know, I mean, AMP isn't a reward for us. uh, Let's be honest, though. Long term, providing the show
0: is successful, which is the point of AMP, is to get Free time Live on a more radio station. It's true. Long term, we'll be uh, wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. But but the
1: listeners will also get, whomever decides to, you know, amplify will also get... Our show being, you know, popular and and well-recepted, and that's what they want, too. And that means, right, Free Talk Live being wealthy,
0: you and I, we're not going to get wealthy unless we get on a whole bunch of radio stations and a whole bunch of people are listening to this show. And, of course, you know, as a listener, that listening to this show can do quite a bit uh, for people's mindsets. I mean, we get people emailing us from time to time. And uh, occasionally there are the, there's the occasional bulletin board system post, and I'm trying to pull up one right now that I spotted over the weekend, which you know it's one of those posts that just warms my heart when I see them. Somebody who's discovered the show, who was a Republican, who was a Democrat, and uh, and it's just switching all over the place, and then he he found Free Talk Live and uh and it changed his life essentially and so that sort of this show being on a bunch of radio stations is going to make a lot of difference in people's lives they say in the talk radio business don't get into talk radio if you want to uh, change people's minds politically you know this is just entertainment you're just out there to entertain and sell commercials and make money but i think i think free talk live doesn't fit into that old talk radio paradigm at all not only from a programming perspective in that we're, we are different from, from the other shows, but in that we are so different that we really can change people's lives from a political perspective, that it really does happen. It's it, not my primary motivation on the show.
1: I think that uh, many shows can, can show a change for people, but, and you know, the more stations we're on, the bigger changes you'll see. And I think that uh, Free Talk Live really has um, the opportunity. It's a message. It's not going out anywhere on the airwaves. Right. We're the only ones talking about freedom.
0: And that's how you benefit long term by becoming an amplifier in that you really are helping spread the message of freedom in a way that the libertarian movement, the liberty movement, has never encountered before. I mean, we do it, and nobody else has ever done this. There's been the sort of libertarian-esque talk shows out there, you know, the Neil Bortz who might throw out a libertarian idea now and then, but nobody's really done it to the extent that we have. Nobody's taken liberty. Nobody's taken two positions on liberty, you, the kind of small government guy, and me, the no government guy, and put them into the same, uh, same boat and uh, had them argue with one another. Right. And it's, it's great because, at the very least, we end up with small government. Precisely. So, you guys are making a big difference, those of you who are amplifying. And just listening to the show makes a difference, in telling your friends as well, if you can't afford the AMP program, amp.freetalklive.com. More is on the way, including Worshiping the State. Why they die. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show, you take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with me. And Mark. Mark. That is the packet 8 toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and get signed up for the updates. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. You'll get clued in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates dotfreetalklive.com dot com to Michael Gaddy at Lou Rockwell dot com simple facts that most soldiers do not understand. The government is not our country. When you fight and die in undeclared wars, you do so for the state and not for our country or our freedoms. We've heard this so many times, this idea that a military's fighting for your freedom to do this radio show, buddy. No. No, it's not. It's fighting for the dictats of those in power in Washington D.C. It's fighting for political purposes, not for freedom. He goes on. When you forsake the Constitution, you swore to uphold and defend to follow uh, to uphold and defend to follow un- to def- and to defend to a- to follow unconstitutional orders, even from your commander in chief. I think he means to not follow unconstitutional orders. If you uh, you cross the line from defender of your country to the very real possibility okay i read that wrong when you forsake the constitution you swore to uphold and defend and follow unconstitutional orders even from your commander in chief you cross the line from defender of your country to the very real possibility of becoming a war criminal The inboxes at my email sites are constantly bombarded with pictures and articles designed to pull at my heartstrings and to make me believe that our troops in Afghanistan and Iraq are fighting for our freedoms. Many of these have wonderful stirring music intended to make Mm -hmm. one stand and salute. They picture our soldiers holding young Iraqi children and playing with stray animals. A fit sermon indeed for those who hold membership in the Church of Nationalism and worship its God, the state. Does the insurgent in Iraq present a greater, uh, greater danger to freedom than the politicians who signed the Patriot Act without reading it? Is
1: al-Qaeda to be feared more than the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus? Apparently, that's what you know. That's what we are supposed to believe. That's what Americans do believe. It's certainly what that guy who called earlier believes. I don't know what he believes. It's the young (laughs) mess. It's the young. Is the young
0: Iraqi soldier fighting in the streets of Baghdad more dangerous to our freedoms than the John Warner National Defense Authorization Act, which allows the state to take direct control and? of any and all National Guard units over the objection of the local states and local officials to whom they report, though the simple through the simple expedient of declaring a public emergency. We talked about this act. It allows essentially uh, military in the streets of America. It's true, uh, which is really not what's supposed to be happening in the United States. The military is not supposed to be used for policing purposes. Anyway, uh, he says... Just exactly who is the greatest threat to our individual rights and freedoms in this country? Well, in November of 2002, I was asked to present the commencement speech at the graduating class of military intelligence officers at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. It was, very, it was a very difficult decision for me to accept this invitation. The storm clouds of war were definitely on the horizon in November of 2002. I had seen what I believed to be, a tainted, uh, to be a tainted intelligence in the media used to garner support for a war in Iraq. And, of course, he's being asked to speak to military intelligence officers. I wanted to do or say nothing that might in any way be seen as support for the coming conflict, those who promoted it or those who would fight it. An almost impossible feat to accomplish in a military environment. Well, when the day arrived and I was introducing, uh, I, was to, I was introduced to those in attendance, which included high-ranking officers in the post, graduates, instructors, parents, and guests. I began my presentation by asking how many in attendance remembered their oath of enlistment. Everyone raised a hand, indicating that they did. I then asked how many could repeat that oath. A significantly smaller, raised, uh, smaller number raised their hands. I then read the oath of enlistment that each soldier takes on entry into the various military branches. I emphasized the following was listed first in the oath and therefore was intended to be the most important part. I, blank, having been appointed in an office and as an officer in the Army of the United States, as indicated above in the grade of blank, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign or domestic that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, etc. I reminded them that it was their duty to fully understand the meanings of the words and phrases, support, defend, and true faith and allegiance in the context of that oath. I told them that any time they received orders, no matter the origin of those orders, when such orders were in conflict with their oath, they were honor-bound to refuse to
1: carry out those orders. Of course, there's evidence, there's court cases where uh, you know soldiers that have stood up for this very point, have uh, you know been, been punished? Yeah, been punished, been found guilty, been thrown in the brig. But if more of them were to stand up and actually do
0: as they had sworn to do, then there would be so many standing up against the orders, they wouldn't be able to punish them all. Tis true. I told them their first allegiance was to the Constitution, and not to any politician who became their superior simply because they'd tricked a majority of people into voting for them. By this time, the higher-ranking officers on the front row were beginning to squirm in their seats. I spoke of domestic enemies and how much more insidious they are than, we, uh, than those we call foreign. I explained that when one is ordered by any superior to do that which is a violation of their oath, the entity issuing the illegal order becomes the domestic enemy mentioned in their oath. I spoke to those gathered of my ignorance of my obligation to that oath during my military tenure and the obvious offenses I felt I'd committed and the unlawful orders that i had obeyed. I stated I did not want them to make the same mistakes I had made. When I finished my presentation, the ranking officers on the front row made a hasty departure. But other instructors and soldiers stayed and presented their perfunctory appreciation. I'm sure many of the young officers in attendance that day didn't fully understand the presentation. Most were in a hurry to check out and get started or leave before their next assignment. On Several, uh, several days later, my son came to visit and was obviously in a state of anger. He related he had just returned from the Tucson, Arizona, office of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, where he was interviewed for his top-secret clearance. During his interview, the agent conducting his background check informed him that I, his father, was both a subversive and a racist. Subversive because I'd written articles critical of the government and racist because I was a member of the Sons of Confederate uh, Veterans. At least they had it half right. I had written and continue to write articles critical of the government, but I've never been member of the SCV. So much for the intelligence agency, huh? Mm. I qualify for membership in that organization because several of my relatives fought for the Confederacy, but I have never applied for membership. I relate the incident with the agent of the DIA simply to show that once a person drops his or her support for the collective and assumes their individual God-given rights, they become the enemy of the state. Soldiers serving and dying in the state's illegal, immoral wars do not serve their fellow countrymen. Fight for our liberties or bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution. They serve the collective that is busy stealing our liberties and destroying our Constitution. Not one opposing force in Iraq or Afghanistan or any place else on this planet presents a greater threat to our liberty than the collective that we call the state or the criminal's That control it. And I completely agree. And it goes back to what I said earlier with Bill, who was on the line from KCXL, in that the best thing that could happen to this world would be for the people in charge of governments to die of heart attacks tomorrow morning. That would be the best thing. It would be a lot of people in a lot of different governments. Yes, it would. And it would make me so happy because they're the criminals. They're the ones that are putting our liberty in jeopardy. And their flunkies, the bureaucrats, are also aiding and assisting as well. So it's not just the ones that are in charge. It's the ones that follow the orders that are also a problem. And, of course, all those of you, all those of you who bother voting for these people as well. More on the way, it's your show, Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, and you can take control of the airwaves. 1-800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there. Broadband version of the show.
1: Dial-up version as well for free. freetalklive.com. Stuck in traffic? Not sure you'll make it to Aunt Betty's Christmas dinner? Let it 1- 1-800-Flowers.com help celebrate the holidays with a beautiful floral arrangement or centerpiece delivered the same day. Any day. You don't even have to break the bank this year, though. They offer flowers and gifts from 19.99. Mention code FTL and receive 10% off your next order. Call, click, or come in. 1-800-Flowers.com. Your florist of choice for the holidays and every day. By the way,
0: you've got something tonight about libertarian persuasion. Mm-hmm. Do we have time to get into that? Because I would like to. I think yeah, that's interesting. I can do that. But I, I did finally pull up that uh, BBS post that I was talking about earlier that I was frantically looking for okay. and I couldn't find. It's from Earthworm Zim. He says, I wasn't interested in politics till about the age of 21, believe it or not. I, I believe it. I think most people aren't interested in politics for good reason. It's boring. At about that time, I started listening to an AM talk radio station that had radio shows like Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, and Schnitt. Their shows were pretty entertaining, and I came to think that I was a Republican. Anyhow. This guy's from Tampa? A short time, uh, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, schnitt has been syndicated in, like, Three markets. So he could be in South Carolina uh, or Miami. Okay. But anyway, uh, at about that time, or a short time later, a couple months or so, I found some anti-Bush website, and of course it linked to a bunch of Democratic websites, and lo and behold, I agreed with a lot of the issues they stood for, like the anti-war and anti-Bush stuff. Hell, at the time, I even agreed with the universal health care and welfare. I was a true blue pinko socialist, and what sickens me is I didn't even know it. I wound up remaining a Democrat, ...till about eight months ago when I went to see the movie America from Freedom to Fascism. So a few days later, I decided to visit its website, and on it, I found the holy grail of talk shows. Free Talk Live. So I listened to it for a few days, and I must admit, I experienced a little cognitive dissonance at first... ...but eventually, I could not honestly convince myself that any of their views were flawed. In fact, they were flawless. Waking up to libertarianism is like taking off a blindfold. Once the blindfold is gone, everything is so clear... I no longer wonder if I'm for or against an issue. There's no longer any wondering involved. It's simply a matter of
1: whether or not it promotes individual freedom. The conversion right. from... Uh, Voluntarism. You know, people being able to do things. Things right. without people getting hurt. It's not a hard concept. No. I like how he
0: says that it didn't take him long. I mean, just a little bit of cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And if that's the period where you're saying, what what are these people saying? They, they're challenging <laughs> my belief system. Everything. Whoa, this is iconoclasm. The conversion from a government-loving drone to libertarian is quite an amazing thing. In fact, I believe this conversion to be on par with losing faith, in that when you lose faith with respect to any religion, you feel this clarity that you've never felt before, and you see all of the BS that it stands for, and all of the BS that all the other religions stand for as well. Equally, with libertarianism, not only do you see flaws with your former party, but you see all of the BS that goes with all of the other parties. Hats off to Free Talk Live, Enamar, keep up the great work. It's those emails that really just... Make me feel
1: like we are making a difference, Mark, in people's lives, and uh, and that's really important. You know, it's it's obvious. Um, it hap- You know, we get them, we get them all the time. It's not some kind of anomaly. Um, it's it's clear the show's making a difference, and. Uh, you know, if we keep working at it, it will grow into something very large and very powerful. I love it
0: when the when the people who consider themselves socialists. See, he didn't consider himself a socialist, even mm-hmm. though he'd adopted their mentality. I love it when the people who consider themselves socialists convert to uh, to libertarianism from listening. I'll to I'll take the show. any of them that say, "Man, you changed my thought on this." Right. Well, now, some we of them we didn't it change. See, now we didn't change right. their thoughts. We just gave them some encouragement, and they changed their own thoughts.
1: Understood. That said. Libertarian persuasion, I think, ties in here. Now It does. We, a we, lot of people uh, write in emails and ask us, you know, oh, what do you, what would you do in this circumstance? Right. Uh, you know, persuade pers- some person on this libertarian point. I'm trying to point? talk to my grandma about blah, blah, blah. Right. 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 And, you know, we get the question a lot, and we try our best to answer it. And um, here's another person's thought. This is John Markley. Um, his thought from striketheroot.com. One controversy that seems to have heated up lately among some libertarians is, How much um, prospect is there for recruiting libertarians among the leftists? Though I'm not as optimistic as some on the matter, I do think that there's some potential there. And I think there's a lot of potential, and uh, it's just because he doesn't know and hasn't met a lot of leftists that have converted, and there's quite a few. Mm -hmm. Um, But only if we approach the left in the right way. This does not mean changing anything about our principles or philosophy. Instead, it means adapting our method of persuasion to new targets. The example of conservatives who have become libertarians provides a model. I'm, in my experience, most former right-wingers who have, some libertari- um, who have become libertarians made the shift because they saw that many conservative values, the right to bear arms, promoting personal liberty, the integrity of the family, and the like, were better served by libertarianism than by conservatism. That's my own experience. I got frustrated with the Republican squeamishness on guns, and I decided that the conservative ideals about personal responsibility and self-reliance were incompatible with drug prohibition. Once I left the Republicans, I gradually became more and more radically anti-statist. But my initial jump to libertarianism was made for basically conservative reasons. A similar strategy must be pursued when approaching the left. The key is to hit them on issues that are dear to them. Which may not always be the standard libertarian talking points. For instance, when I was younger, I uh, was convinced uh, a strongly left-leaning friend to become a libertarian by taking, talking excuse me, about government regulations and tariffs hurt the working class by forcing them to pay more for everything and stopping them from going into business for themselves. I didn't try to change his core values and desires. Instead, I won him over by appealing to things he already believed in. Great point.
0: You may not have been able to win this guy by saying, well, if you just go to libertarianism, you'll get to keep all the money you earn. That doesn't really do much for those kind of uh, individuals. But if you can point out how that will help perhaps the poor people start their own businesses and make their lives better, that's a great way to approach
1: it. Well, who are you? Who's the government to stick their hand in my pocket and take money out of it and give it to poor people? That's stealing. You know that might not be the uh, point. It's not going to. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. They don't really care. Stealing's fine. It's okay. We'll we'll take stealing. It's helping the poor. That's right. the ultimate goal. They therein, don't care what the means are. Therein lies the key. Changing someone's fundamental beliefs is an arduous task. Convincing him that his ta i sure means him or her—his tactics do not uh, serve his goals is child play by comparison. If you find someone in a discussion with an environmentalist, talk about how government. Um, find yourself in a discussion with an environmentalist. Find how governments tore down traditional common law and libertarian principles about nuisance and trespassing so that the politically connected could get away with polluting the other guy's property. Pointing out that this is – that it is unowned or government-owned resources that are despoiled and depleted the fastest. If he's a socialist or collectivist, anarchist, talk about how – state privilege allows big business to grow to gargantuan sizes and get away with things that it never could without state backing, mm-hmm. and how unrestricted working of the uh, market would counteract this. Yeah, it's really amazing when you hear
0: uh, these left, left-leaning left people advocating for more business regulation. It's as though they just haven't made that connection that, hello, the big companies can uh, uh, can just hire more lawyers and uh, jump around
1: all these right. hoops. That- Somehow, you know, the government is we the people, you know, and that has hurt us in that um, they think that, well, the government's we the people. And these big, awful companies, well, look, the government's spending more money, polluting more land, and doing far more worse things than any one of these companies. Pick your worst company. The, government, the government's you're doing you're, something worse.
0: You're right, and you can also cite if you look around, if you look carefully enough, you can find uh, like respected newspapers, a newspaper that they would respect, like the Boston Globe, and point them to this old article that uh, was written in the 19, late '90s that very clearly outed the government as being the number one polluter in the United States. Right. And for some reason, you believe that uh, that's going to change just because you've gotten your guys in control? The Democrats have been in control before, and they're in control now. And I can tell you that the government's still going to be the biggest
1: polluter in the United States afterwards. Sure. They'll just use whatever issue it is that you give them. They'll use it as a lever. To get their guys in office, and then they'll do whatever they want, just yep. like they always have, just which, like the Republicans did. Which is rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies. Right. And libertarianism is a philosophy that says we want to reduce the size of government. They're going for the core problem. And that's why I believe that libertarians, even you know, Libertarian Party, which I don't think has much of a chance, but libertarians are much more likely to do what it is that they say they're going to do because – that what they say they're going to do is they're going to get in there, and they're going to start throwing monkey wrenches into the government problems.
0: Yeah, I want all my libertarian candidates. I want We're going to run a bunch of libertarian-esque candidates for a local office. Of course, there's, they're nonpartisan, so you'll be liberty-minded, but not labeled that way. I want them all to sign the um, small government pledge. Seems like a reasonable request, and I can't see why any libertarian wouldn't sign a pledge that essentially says, uh, I pledge to not make government any bigger and will actively work to make it as small as possible. I mean, really, who wouldn't sign that as a libertarian? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Monday edition final segment. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231, packet 8, toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231, Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all of the features that we have there for you, because they are all completely free at uh, freetalklive.com. And that does include live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version as well. We told you about the amplifier program earlier, so no need to rehash that. Um, Head over to freetalklive.com, enjoy the site on us. So, uh, talking about libertarian persuasion Mm -hmm. of a liberal kind, because it has always been my contention that libertarians and uh, liberty-minded people come from three specific areas in the political world. One, from the Republican camp. Two, from the Democrat camp. And three, from the non-party-affiliated slash non-voter camp, the people that have never been interested in voting or have dropped out of the system because of total, uh, just being totally uh, sick of the two major parties. Mm-hmm. And it, it's true. People come from all over the place because the principle that unites libertarians is very easy to understand and something that anybody who cares about people or who cares about freedom would be able to get on board with. And so this gentleman is talking about John Markley. John Markley talking about the liberal side of mm-hmm. of conversion of, of persuading people to liberty from well, the liberal, liberal side.
1: But the points are um, universal. It's you know get in get in other people's world, talk to them about the issues that they care excuse me that they care about.
0: That's correct. You you can um, spin the issue uh, in a direction that will make more sense to them. Don't just go in and presuming this, this person uh, feels the same way about the same issues that you do in that, for instance, he says he was a conservative, mm-hmm. and so he was more persuaded by fiscal policy, gun, uh, rights. gun rights, and all that. That's not going to work on a liberal.
1: Yeah, that's that's the direction I came from, too, taxes.
0: But, but the environment and helping the poor, mm-hmm. if you can show a smaller government helps the poor and helps the environment,
1: mm-hmm. you've got it nailed. Yep. All right, and so he uh, continuing, he says... If he's worried about the state of working class and the poor, point out how protectionism places its heaviest burdens on people who have to spend high percentage of their income on food and clothing. Both items subjected, um, subject to uh, considerable uh, protectionist tariffs. This could be a good one to use on uh, paleoconservatives, too. Talk about how government regulations and licensing laws stop people from using their skills to go into business for themselves and so on. That's a good one. I used that. uh, There was there was uh, three
0: black gentlemen that were um, doing some work for me at my old house down in Florida, and I had them inside uh, afterwards after I'd I'd paid them, and somehow the conversation spun to politics, Mm -hmm. and uh, these guys were completely apolitical. They weren't really politically astute or aware at all, and. they responded really, really well to the idea of, hey, you know what? The government is essentially keeping you down yeah. uh, with its rules and regulations. They get that. And they they keyed right in on it. And by the time they left, I mean, they were into this. Uh, they, wanted, they wanted more information on this <laughs> whole liberty thing.
1: Not everyone is uh, worth the energy of trying to persuade. There are leftists who have progressive goals that they pursue in misguided ways or who value freedom but have a mistaken conception of what constitutes freedom and mm-hmm. rights. And then there are leftists who are authoritarian in values as well as means. Yeah, if the leftist says, I'm a Marxist, go somewhere else. I, yeah. I mean, somebody I, like that has been so thoroughly indoctrinated, you don't want to waste your time. With probably true. An environmentalist who's angry about big corporations despoiling forests and damaging people's health with smoke is potentially a good candidate for persuasion. An environmentalist who hates humanity and wants us redu- reduced to hunter-gatherer status <laughs> probably is not. Good point. A collectivist anarchist who's um, some questionable ideas about economic organization is a better prospect than someone who admires the Soviet Union and considers the Ukrainian famine a, um, a historic anti-terrorist action. <laughs> Though I have uh, met some people who fit both categories. Strangely, you'd think an anarcho-socialist would have read some uh, Buchanan. I'm not sure who that, that is. I don't know. Somebody will write in and tell us. Buchanan, Buchanan. Left-wing opponents of uh, drug laws usually already have some libertarian values, whereas left-wing nanny statists types are pretty much um, antithetical to us.
0: Good point. The anti-drug people want to be left alone, or the, uh, the, the pro-legalization people, mm-hmm. rather. They can understand wanting to be left alone, whereas the nanny staters... Just want to get involved in people's
1: lives. Everything, yeah. Yeah. Anti-consumerist types seem to be a mix, consisting partly of people who dislike the power of big business but fail to recognize how uh, um, abuses committed by businesses have their origins in statism, and partly of people who who just think that they ought to be able to decide how everyone else should live. With some overlap between categories, of course, the former type is at least potentially libertarian, whereas the latter, authoritarian in values as well as means. I think that only a minority of leftists are good prospects to become libertarian. Liberty needs every supporter it can get. However, I don't think
0: that's fair. I, I don't think that's it's right That's not a fair either. statement. The majority, the majority of voters, whether leftist or right, I think the majority are pr- good prospects. I, I Just have because to, most of them don't think about these I things. I
1: agree simply by being on this air and listening to people yeah. um, on such a regular basis. You know, and he's a conservative coming from a conservative standpoint, and, and, you know, that's just the way he thinks. I still believe the best prospects are those who are
0: neither Republican nor Democrat. I believe definitely that those are the best prospects, simply because um, they haven't been as indoctrinated by their side. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have that blue team, red team mentality, and uh, I think you're best off there. But nonetheless, I won't shut
1: out a uh, lefty or a righty. I try to talk to people like they're able to understand the concepts of liberty mm-hmm. um, every single time. What I've noticed, and, and this is – and here's my prejudice coming into play. Old people, the older they are, the less likely they are to listen to what I have to say. More set in their ways. Yeah. You know, uh, somehow Less or likely another, to change. I mean, I talked to I, – I I told you about talking to the parking, parking meter guy at – uh at breakfast the other day, and it was yeah. just—it was amazing to me that this uh, gentleman, and you can see how much of it had an impression on me. I, I mean, I was—I was amped from talking to that guy for an hour mm-hmm. afterwards. And you know, I left him having shook his hand, and I think that uh, you know, he he considered it a pretty good conversation. But here was a conservative to me; he it was pretty clear. He's a Republican. He believed that there was way too many laws, and every time we made a law, we need to get rid of one, and blah 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 blah. But when since he's on the parking commission, the only way he could figure out to enforce. The parking laws, you know, to, to make parking work inside the city was enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. down. We need to quadruple the fines, he said, and double the amount of the staff um, doing the enforcement. Uh, I know. I mean, how, who's going to pay for this? Well, you know, you know who's the, the who's, violators? Whatever. Of course. You know, whatever. It's just it's just so ridiculous to me. And it's it's people that just don't can't think outside the box. They haven't been thinking outside the box. That's it. Haven't been thinking outside the box. It would take That's him right. a long time to be able to figure out. Here's a 60-year-old man who's uh, on the parking commission making these des- decisions and the only thing he can figure out to do is using guns to solve his problem. Mm-hmm. And it's I'll tell you, it's a heck of a lot easier to just boot his butt out of there than yeah. it is to try to convince him that um, there's voluntary means that are going to help everybody, including the downtown businesses, of which he is one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told him a specific instance of how um, downtown business was hurt, you know, in my first person in my life. Okay. You know, I was going to go to this restaurant downtown. I didn't have any change in my pocket to be able to feed the meter so i ended up going to a restaurant that wasn't downtown that has its own parking lot he you know he and his rules screwed that guy out of his 20 bucks for breakfast right you know and how wh- many other people are like that you know he's got a, another type of store you know let's call it a widget store what happens if i don't have the change in my pocket for, for the widget store what and i end up going to the other widget store that doesn't have meters Mm -hmm. you're screwing everyone should have meters mark that way the city could benefit screwing people that's all he's doing let's put
0: meters up at the walmart parking lot too yep and he just didn't get it didn't get it didn't get it it's a shame so anyway it's um, funny too isn't it i mean somebody with a allegedly small government
1: mentality there's that one exception, right? It's, we talk I, about. I think, that, um, I think that it's people who haven't removed force, uh, haven't understood the government's force, mm-hmm. haven't removed it from um, their, you know, put it as the very last resort for solving problems. They still believe it is the tool to mold society. Right. It's the tool to use to mold society. It's the first one they use. Um, it's the, the only one that seem, people seem to even have in their tool chest. Mm. And you need to look elsewhere. Believe me we can figure out ways to, to you know the market will figure out ways to solve this problem. Ooh, was it
0: uh there was somebody we were talking to recently that gave us an example of oh, it was a private library. That's right. Yeah. We had uh, we were we had wondered in the past on free talk live, you know, right. well what about this great socialist institution known of uh, known as the public library where uh, the government stolen funds are used to buy books that are then loaned out to the detriment of the profits of the book
1: publishers <laughs> everywhere. Um not and to mention the, the local taxpayers that had to pay to, to open up this stupid building.
0: Right. How could, is this something that could possibly be done on a private basis? And as it turns out, it is. Uh, there was, a, I guess, a town in Vermont where one of our friends here is from, and he was telling us that this is li- this, or, there's a library there that's almost completely privately funded. I wonder. With the exception
1: if, of like 2000 bucks a year. I government. wonder if it's used to uh, keep the homeless people busy all day long, too. Hmm. I doubt. I don't it. think there are too many homeless people during
0: uh, wintertime.
1: Well, they they go into the library. Because <laughs> they, there they can pee on themselves in warmth.
0: Ew. What? I have to go out on that thought. <laughs> Some homeless man in the library peeing on himself. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, happens all the time, I'm afraid.
0: But the point was, it could be privately done. And, of course, if it was a private library, you could kick out whoever you wanted to, right? They weren't paying. If they were ugly or undesirable, it's been Ian here with you. And Mark. Hey, we're done for tonight. We'll see you online in the meantime between tomorrow night's show and now at freetalklive.com.